Bibles this morning, 1 John chapter number 3, 1 John chapter number 3, today's message is titled this, I'm a child of the King. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to know that I'm a child of the Most High God. How did I become a child of the Most High God? It's because I was so good. No, not at all. Uh, it's because I accepted the forgiveness of sin as available through Faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins, who was buried and rose again the third day. When you get saved, you become the child of God. It's a fascinating story that God gives us. And you could look in Romans 8 and begin to study how God adopts us into his family. And we become rightful, legal uh, children of God. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful to know that my father is God Almighty. It's wonderful. I'm a child of the king. If you look with me in 1 John chapter number 3, we'll look at the first three verses this morning and we'll consider this subject. The Bible says in verse number 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that, we, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray you'd bless the preaching of your word. I pray you'd hide me behind your cross. But I pray that you'd allow and you'd work through your word to change the hearts and lives of the hearer. We preach in faith knowing that you must do the eternal work. We trust you and believe in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible says in verse number 1, Behold. Now I like that word. It's pay attention, look, uh, explore, consider. I'll just tell you, sometimes in life we need to take time to Pay attention and behold the benefits that we have in the Lord. How many of you have ever been really down in the dumps and somebody prompted you to begin to thank God for whatever you can find to thank God for? And before you knew it, the down in the dumps spirit, when you began to thank God for the benefits and blessings that he's given you, has changed your spirit and demeanor. I've been there and done that on many occasions. And the Bible says here, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. It says you need to be thinking about, considering, looking at uh, the kind of love, what manner of love, what kind of love God has bestowed upon us. You need to be looking at the kind of love that God has given us. How many of you have ever had a gift bestowed upon you? That just means it was given to you. And I'm thankful for a good gift. And we need to be thinking about the gift that God has given to us, has bestowed upon us. And here's what it is. We get a hint when it says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. But what's the great gift? What's the great sign of the love of God that is bestowed upon us? The Bible says that we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. And the Bible says that God's great love is shown to us. And here's how. We get the opportunity to be considered and known as and become, literally become, the sons of the Most High God. There was a movie I watched when I was a little boy. It was 
titled, it was called Richie Rich. How many of you ever watched Richie Rich when you grew up? Now, I'll tell you, I love my dad, and I love the situation that God allowed in my life. But when I watched Richie Rich, I thought, man, would it not be cool if Richie Rich's dad was my dad? That'd be awesome. I mean, Richie Rich had go-kart tracks at his house, and I thought that would be awesome. And uh, I think probably the thing that Richie Rich had that I liked the most was a butler. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? A butler. Uh, no more picking up after you. That would be just amazing. And at uh, any rate, uh, Richie Rich, I thought, man, if that could be my dad. But the truth is, uh, God has blessed us with the most wonderful father that we can have. Those of us who know Jesus by faith and say, now let me understand something. God is not every person that's ever lived's father. Is he your creator? He's all, he's the creator of all men. But this sweet, precious, special relationship that God gives to certain folks for God to be your father, it comes through one means. It comes through faith in Christ. When we get saved and we put our trust in Jesus, then we have this great opportunity to call God our father. You know, Jesus said one time to a group of, of, of men, he said, now look, you are of your father, the devil. Uh, but then he says to us who know him by faith as Savior that you have this great privilege to be called the sons of God. I'm thankful that I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. And the relationship that we have to God as father and son, father and daughter, father and child, is something that should bring us great joy and great peace because God is, in fact, our Father. I want you to consider this number one. Number one is this. I'm a loved child of the King. I'm a loved child of the King. I'm loved by God. It's so wonderful to know that I'm loved by God and that I'm the child of the King. The Bible says in verse number one, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Now, I have you know something. God loves us so much that he is willing to make us his own very children. We're adopted into his family. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Now, what's so important about that? Well, I'll tell you what's so important about that is God fulfills the father role in your life in a perfect manner. In a perfect manner. Now, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was the day that Ian was born. We were really happy when Hudson was born, too. Uh, but, you know, Ian, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the truth is, I became a father when Ian was born. And it changed things in my mind. I'll tell you one thing that it changed. Uh, one of the jobs I did at Temple Baptist Church was I was kind of like the staff redneck. So I got to do the redneck things. And one of the things that I did for several years was I did the bush hogging at the camp. And at, our, at the camp there at uh, Mount Moriah Camp, it's some pretty steep ground. And I was the guy that always did the bush hogging. It was just as a natural thing. I was comfortable on the tractor, and I did the bush hogging. And I remember I bush hogged for years, and it, there were spots that were a little bit scary, but it's fine. I did it anyway. And I remember right after Ian was born, Ian was born in March, and then grass starts growing. Sometime up in May, it came time to bush hog at the camp for the very first time. And I got everything ready, greased the bush hog, got it hooked up. And I got started. I made one lap on that steepest part of the camp property. And it scared me. And I thought, you know what? That blade of grass isn't worth 
leaving my boy an orphan. And I'll just tell you, I've made one lap. I parked the tractor, and I told anybody that cared. I said, I ain't mowing it. If we have to get somebody weed eater, if it grows up, the whole place burns the ground. I don't care. I'm not mowing that because I've got such a responsibility now that I'm a father. It changed the way I thought. And uh, things I'd never been, never even thought about before, it, it changed me. And I, being a father is a very important part of my life. I'll just tell you, if my kids need something, I'm going to go to whatever extreme necessary to meet their needs. It's that father thing. And I'm not the perfect father. I'm not probably not even a great father. But a father takes care of his kids. You know what I mean? And a good father does really good and tries his best to take care of his kids. But we, all of us, that know Jesus by faith is our Savior, not only do we have a good father in God, we have a perfect father in God. And I want to remind you of something. The relationship that God has promised us, that he is our loving father, and we have, I am the child of the king. The fact that God's my father is something that gives me great peace. There have been several occasions uh, in Ruth and I's married life where we've had big transitions. Uh, God leads us to go. I remember when we left Temple Baptist and went to uh, Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Now, you talk about crazy. I was 26 years old. I'd never pastored before. I moved to a town I knew nobody, and we started pastoring a church of people we ne- we didn't know I'd never done that before now that was a pretty scary moment it was a, it was a scary time but you know somebody taught me and told me in that transition it was the beginning of this uh, of, of the peace that I had known that God was my father somebody told me I don't remember who it was they said you just remember something Cody God's your father and he loves you and he's perfect And if you'll just be willing to do whatever your father wants you to do, he'll lead you and he'll guide you and he'll protect you and he'll help you along the way. And I rested and I continue to rest to this day in the fact that God is my father. How many of you uh, were that child that your dad could look at you with a stern look and you knew exactly what he wanted you to do and you straightened up right there on the spot? Anybody like that? How many of you were that child that as soon as that your if your dad wanted to get a message across, he couldn't look at you, he couldn't yell at you, he had to beat you half to death. But he'd do what was necessary to get your attention. How many of you are that child? And there you are, I see that hand. Lord be with you. And uh, <laughs> uh, mothers. Now, here's the bottom line. We have a father in heaven. That knows us. He knows if he can whisper with a still small voice and get your attention and lead you and point you in the right direction. He knows if he's got to beat you half to death to get your attention. Your loving father will do what's necessary to take good care of you. The only thing you've got to watch out for is, Lord, is my heart willing to do what you want me to do with my life? I've often thought, man, I don't want to miss God's will. I used to think that a lot. It used to scare me. It used to worry me. But I'm resting in the fact that I am the child of the king. And I, can, I want to do God's will. I don't always know how to do God's will. I sometimes have ambitions that are contrary to God's will. But as long as I'm submissive to the will of my father, guess what happens? My father in love will protect me. My father in love will get my attention. My father in love will point me in the right direction. And I rest in the fact that God is my father. So the Bible says, behold, what manner of love the Father 
hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. I'll tell you, you've got a great treasure in your heavenly Father. Aren't you thankful? Boy, when we understand that God is our Father, it really can relieve us of a lot of life's fears. Dad's going to take care of me. I'm thankful. My kids, and they're beginning to get to the place where they're going to have to start thinking about a few things like this, but they don't ever worry about whether or not when the water turns on, that there's water there, the water bill's been paid. They don't worry when they turn on a light and leave it on for multiple days at a time. <laughs> if the lights are going to be on the next time they come home. But they don't worry about whether or not it's going to be cool or when it's hot outside or warm when it's cold. They don't worry about that. And you know what? I'm glad. You know why they don't have to worry about it? Because their father takes care of that. You know what? I don't have to worry about it either. As long as I'm submissive to my father and I determine to live for God with my life, my father, God, he helps and guides and protects, and I can trust him. I'm thankful I have a father in heaven. I'm thankful that God in love decided to call me son. It's good. It's good. You know, God didn't have to go to that extreme. In love, God offered a sacrifice through Jesus, and he could have saved us and prepared and provided a way of redemption for us, and we could have got saved through faith in Jesus, and we had a God that would redeem us and save us and give us everlasting life. But God said, I want you to know that the love I have for you is not a love that just rescues you from the penalty of sin, that rescues you from the torments of hell. My love is a love, the love like a father that wants the best for you. The love of a father that wants to help you, that wants to bless you, that wants to protect you. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that God's my father. That God is my father and I'm thankful that I'm a loved child of the king. Aren't you glad? I'm a loved child of the king. I've got something the world doesn't have. I've got something that the lost doesn't have. And you do too. When you know Christ by faith is your savior. I'm a loved child of the king. Listen. Behold that. Think about it. Consider it. Isn't it sweet? Rest in the fact that you have a loving father. Give him your fears. Give him your concerns. Trust in him. I'm a loved child of the king. The Bible says in verse number 1, at the end of verse number 1, it says, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The Bible says and teaches us when we rest in the love of our Father, when we have that unique relationship with God that just gives us peace to know that he's faithful. The Bible says the world can't identify with that. The world can't see it. The world can't, uh, can't understand it. But I'm so thankful that I'm a child of the king. I'm a loved child of the king, number one. Number two, I'm an eternal child of the king. I'm an eternal child of the king. Now look what the Bible says in verse number two. Beloved. Now that's one of those words. I, I read it just a few minutes ago and I said beloved. Uh, and then I, when I talk about it, I'm just talking about it, I say beloved. And I, I think in the back of my mind, as I was prepared this message, I thought, I want to be consistent about that word, but I've already messed it up. Uh, and at any rate, beloved or beloved is the same. It's like blessed and blessed. It's the same. Uh, any rate, beloved. Uh, the Bible says beloved. Now, now, it's just a title. It's a name. So when we're considering the fact that God has called us his sons, he loves us so much that we're the sons of God, the Bible says that you are beloved. Hey, listen, beloved. 
beloved. The Bible says, beloved, now are we the sons of God. When are we the sons of God? You see that word? Now. See that? Now. When am I the son of God? Right now. When did I become the son of God? I'll tell you, I became the son of God when I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That word now is very important. Now, some folks have this idea that their faith in Christ is just insurance against life after death or insurance for life after death. But I'll have you know something. The relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, our loving Father, is something that is available to us right now. I'm thankful that Jesus is my Father now. It goes back to all that I've said about our Father directing us and correcting us and blessing us. So I'm thankful right now I'm the child of God. Right now I'm the son of the most high God. Right now I'm a child of the king. I'm thankful for that right now. And my relationship with Jesus is not something that kicks into gear as soon as I die. Now some people have that idea. When does everlasting life begin? That's an interesting question, isn't it? When does everlasting life begin? Well, John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but, what's the next word? Have. That's present tense, right? It's pretty simple. Have. But have everlasting life. Do you know when I inherited everlasting life? The same day I became the son of God. The same day I became the child of the king. I became the possessor of everlasting life. And the Bible says that God is my father now. I have him. Everlasting life doesn't begin when I die if I've been good enough. Everlasting life doesn't begin when I die if I've done everything right. Everlasting life doesn't begin when I die. It happens the same time that I become the son of God because the, son of, the sons of God are eternal. And I'm the child of God. And I'm going to live forever in heaven with my father. I'm an eternal child of God. The Bible says in verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. When? Right now. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Now, here's what it says. Right now, I'm the, I'm the child of God. And we don't know exactly what we shall be or how it's going to look. How many of you think you've got everything figured out about what heaven's going to look like? <laughs> if you raise your hand, you're silly. Uh, the Bible says that eye hath not seen, neither, ear hath not heard, neither has entered in the heart of man. All the things that God has prepared for us. Now, that's a sweet thing to think about eternity. Now, God says, now, the sons of God, the sons of God have me as father for life. But they also have me as father for eternity. Now, folks, I'm just going to tell you, heaven is as real as we're standing here today. If I believe anything about the Bible, I have to believe in the fact that God has prepared a place for us. Jesus said himself, I go and prepare a place for you. Now look, if you think somehow that you can separate and choose and pick what is God's word and what's not God's word and what, Je what of what Jesus said is true and what, of what Jesus said is not true, then you've taken on way too much. We just have to believe that what Jesus said is true. And Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And heaven's real. The Bible says about heaven that right now we look through a dark, to a, through a glass dimly. We look through a glass dimly. The, the, the idea is this, that we have some insight. God gives some insight into what heaven's going to be like, what glory's going to be like, and how it's going to be for the rest of eternity. And all the insights that we get from the word of God is really good. 
But the Bible says right now we look through a glass dimly. And I was reading some commentaries and commentators about this, this idea. And, and the, the picture that we can get in our mind when the, this portion of the scripture was written, they didn't have these glass mirrors like we have today, these shiny, bright glass mirrors like we had today. Actually, if they wanted to have a mirror, a mirror was, a, uh, was quite the uh, piece of a royal treasure. It was a polished piece of metal, and they would look in the polished piece of metal, and and the at best these mirrors were dim. And they said, you know, the picture is this: you're looking in a glass uh, darkly, dimly. I got in trouble at Bowling Springs when I was pastoring over there. We renovated the restrooms. I didn't think that I could get in trouble this way. I found all kinds of ways to get in trouble. Uh, and uh, but the. Uh, I renovate, we renovated the restrooms, and I'll tell you what I did. I love light. I don't know if you're like me, but I like it bright. I like lots of light. And so we renovated the bathrooms. I was so excited. And the first Sunday morning that we have the bathrooms all together, and folks are going in and checking them out, going to the bathroom whether they needed to or not. And uh, the ladies came out, and I, I fielded several complaints. You know what it was? The light's too bright. You know why they complained about the lights being too bright? Because they were looking in this big, beautiful mirror with those bright lights, and they were seeing things they missed at home. <laughs> uh, and so the Bible gives this idea that you look at the, you, you see and think about what heaven is going to look like. And right now we look in a glass darkly. But what we do when we get to heaven, we're going to see it clearly and it's going to be right and good. And everything that you could imagine about heaven is going to be sweet. I don't know about you, but for me, I love life. I really do. And my lands has God given us so many great things to enjoy in life. Uh, I think about so many things I love to do and how sweet life is in so many ways. Uh, and God, the Bible says that God has prepared for us something that far exceeds the glories of life. Now, I'll just tell you, our lives are very tragic. As sweet as many things are, there's all kinds of tragedy to deal with. How many of you in the last year have dealt with some type of tragedy? Would you raise your hand? Me too. And you may be in the midst of dealing with tragedy right now. It happens. We deal with disappointment. We deal with things that just don't make perfect sense. And folks die earlier than they should and sickness and trouble. And it's, life is tragic. And if we're honest, all of life is. There's so much tragedy in life. Yet God has made it possible that through life we have such pleasures and joys and we have his grace. But God has promised us something that is far, far better than all the joys that life has to offer. And it's eternity. It's eternity. Now, folks, you cannot reconcile the goodness of God without the reality of eternity. Without the reality of eternal life, without the reality of heaven, you can't reconcile the goodness of God because there's so much tragedy in life. We must constantly focus on the fact that God has prepared eternity for us. God's prepared eternity for us. You see, I hate to see it when tragedy strikes and we have folks who die at early ages in sickness and trouble. But when we consider the fact that God has prepared eternity and God has eternal purpose in the troubles that we have in life and this world of sin cursed, then we can rest in the fact that certainly there are troubles in life, but God's grace was sufficient. But when we consider the fact that we have eternity, man, it makes it a lot sweeter. It makes it a lot sweeter. I think often of Miss Linda Harrell. 
Oh, what a great impact for the glory of God she made around here. And uh, what a tragedy uh, about the time that it's for them to retire. She's fighting this multiple myeloma cancer, and she fights and fights, and finally she goes to be with the Lord. I'll just tell you, part of me want to be mad about it. I love them so much. I want them to be able to enjoy their retired years. And By the way, Pastor Chuck's doing great. He was at camp all this week. We had a wonderful time together. But I think, my, this is awful. And I think about, you think things like, you know, two people that gave their entire adult life serving God. And as soon as there's time for them to be able to retire and unhook and she's gone. How do you reconcile that? And I'll tell you how you reconcile it. Eternity. Look, there's a few short years down here that we're going to miss her presence. But there's an unnumbered amount of years, time without end, that will glory in the perfect creation of God for all of eternity. 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 I love that phrase. I say it often, I know, but it helps me. Hopefully it helps you. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It's tragic. There's lots of tragedy. It's certain. But I am the child of the king. And the child of the king has prepared not just a few short days of living for me to enjoy. The child, as a child of the king, God has prepared eternity for me. God has prepared eternity for you. And we should fix our gaze on eternity and heaven and the glory of God and sinlessness and the perfection that God has prepared for all of us who put our trust in him. You see, God's made it possible as our Father to make life really sweet. But He's made eternity far sweeter. We are eternal. We're the eternal children of the Most High God. The Bible says in verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't know what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. Guess what? We're going to be like Him. We're going to have the glory of God, the peace of God. The sweetness, the spirit of God for all eternity. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. We're going to know all the glories of God. We're going to know all the purposes of God. And we're going to glory in the perfection and love of our all-wise Father, eternity. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. It'll be sweet. It'll be right. It'll be good. Look, I'm the child of the king. And God has an answer to the bitterness of a sin-cursed world. He says, I'm your eternal father. And you are my eternal child. I'm thankful. I'm a loved child of the king, number one. Number two, I'm an eternal child of the king. And finally, number three, I'm a purified child of the king. This is interesting. What the Bible says in verse number three. The Bible says, verse number 3, it says, And every man that hath this hope, what hope? We're talking about the loved child of the king, that I'm a child of of God. And we're talking about the eternity and heaven that's prepared for us. The Bible says, Every man that hath this hope in him, in Christ, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So the Bible says that there's a natural occurrence when you come to grips with the fact that you're saved by grace through faith.
that Jesus loves you and has adopted you as his son. And you know that he's prepared heaven for you and grace for life. When you have those things together, the Bible says this is something that purifies you. The love of God motivates you to do the right thing. The love of God motivates you to be righteous. The love of God motivates you to be generous. The love of God motivates you to be like Jesus. The Bible says that these things purify you. This principle we find in the principle of the fear of God. Have you ever heard of people talk about fear God? One thing we should do is fear God. Now, I'm not telling you anything different. You should fear God. But I'm afraid a lot of folks have the wrong idea about what it means to fear God. To fear God. Yeah, often you hear someone refer to the fear of God as the reverential awe of God. And that's fine and good. It's right. The fear of God is that reverence that we have for God. It's that spirit that we have when we realize God has been so good to me. God has adopted me as his child. God has promised to give me everlasting life. God has guided me and directed me and protected me and provided for me. I've got all kinds of reasons to praise the Lord. The fear of God is when we realize how good God has been to us and how good God plans to be to us. When we realize how good God's been to us, we fear God. It's not that we're afraid that God will hurt us. It's the fear that we would hurt God. You understand? I'll tell you an example. When I was a teenager, I had a righteous fear of my mom. I really did. I had a righteous fear of my mom. I had gotten to a certain place where I hadn't got a whip and I was like 18 or 19. I'm just kidding. She quit long before that. I was scared of her. She didn't have to beat me no more. <laughs> uh, I remember as a teenage boy being tempted to get into things. But you know something that popped up in my mind? Mama. And it wasn't that I was so afraid that she'd hurt me. I'd got to a place where I was tough enough that she could beat me with a belt and I'd be okay, it'd be all right. But as a teenager tempted to do the wrong thing, something would come into my mind. You know what it was? It was my mama. And a certain fear would come in my heart about my mama. And it really wasn't that I was afraid she'd kill me because I knew she wouldn't. But my mama had been really good. She'd sacrificed for me. She'd loved me. She'd worked hard, and I knew all about it. She was faithful to provide, always there. And man, there's a certain sweetness about the relationship that my mama had in my heart and life. And I'll tell you, as many times as a teenage boy, when I thought, I think I'm going to do that, and then I'd think about my mama, and I'd think better of it. I was afraid. I, was, I had the fear, a righteous fear of my mom, but it wasn't a fear that she would hurt me. You know what the fear was? The fear was that I would hurt her. I couldn't stand the thoughts of it. The fear was that I would hurt her. I mean, she's been so good to me. I cannot sin against such great goodness and love. And when we look at the fear of God, 
And that's what the Bible says. This, when we consider these things, every man that hath this hope, we, we consider that God has adopted us as his son. He didn't have to make me his child. He doesn't have to provide and protect me. He doesn't have to love me that much. But when we consider the love of Christ in our lives, and we consider the fact that Jesus has loved us so much that he's determined that if we'll put our trust in him that we don't have to go to hell and we can spend eternity with him in glory with all the joys that he's prepared. When we consider the goodness of God, you know what it does? It's a natural purifying. It says in our hearts, we're like, God's been so good to me, I can't stand to sin against him. I'll just tell you, if you can live in habitual sin against God, you may not be his child. The love of God, the blessing of God, what does it do? It purifies. The Bible says it in verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And folks, I'm so thankful that we have the privilege to be a purified child of God. We should live in the fear of God, the righteous fear of God. It's a sweet thing to be reminded that God has been so good to us. How could I dare sin against such great love? You know what? We're the children of the Most High God. We're a privileged bunch. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that you're a priv- you know you're privileged to be the child of God? Did you say amen? amen? Isn't it good? I'm a child of the King. With being the child of the king, it comes with great, great benefit. It comes with a few responsibilities. But oh, how blessed it is to be a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. How about you? If you're here today and you've never been saved, there's never been a time where you repented of your sin, I pray that today's the day that you get that right. Let me tell you the simple gospel message, and I'll tell you, Briefly, how you can be saved yourself. You see, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible just says that your sin causes you to fall short of the righteousness of God. Because you're a sinner, you can't go to heaven. The good news is, Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins on the cross. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Because he had to pay the penalty for your sins and the sins of the whole world. He shed his blood so that your sin could be covered and forgiven. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. He conquered death, hell, the grave, and all sin. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The Bible says that with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made in salvation. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that you are a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus' blood can cover your sin? If you believe it, the Bible says there's only one thing left. The Bible says, with the heart man believes in the righteous, and with the mouth confession is made in salvation. Have you acknowledged that? Have you told the Lord, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Save me. If you haven't, you can. The scripture says it like this. Whosoever, that's you, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved.
<laughs> I'm so thankful. When I was just a child, I felt the conviction of sin. And I asked Jesus to forgive me and be my Savior. And he did. As a child, I became the Son of God. <laughs> a child of God. Hallelujah. What a loving Savior we have. If you're here and you've never been saved, oh, I pray today's the day you put your trust in him. If you are saved, I pray you'll just rejoice and know, oh, how sweet it is to be the child of the king. I'm the child of the king. Hallelujah. Sweet. Let's pray.